Matthew chapter number 4. If you found it and you're able to, let's stand together. We'll begin reading in verse number 18 of Matthew chapter number 4. Matthew 4, verse number 18, the Bible says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. I want to come back and look at verse number 19 where the Bible says, And they straightway left their nets, excuse me, and Jesus and he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, may I remind us as we're going through our Bible reading time, how many are, maybe I'll, I'll ask it publicly, how many are doing their best on their Bible reading for the first week of the year? See how I put it? Doing their best on their Bible reading. I didn't say that, ask if you're up to date on your Bible reading. You're doing your best on your Bible reading. If you ever want to see mine, I've got mine right here and my first week is checked off. I'm up to date and doing my best on the Bible reading. But it was during my personal devotion time that the Lord began speaking to my heart about this subject matter of learning to follow. Learning to follow as I read down through Matthew chapter number 4. We're going to have a word of prayer and then we'll get into the message. Our Heavenly Father, we sure do love you. Lord, I'm so thankful as we read down through the Scriptures Lord, this Bible that you have preserved and kept for us, Lord, is so rich, Lord, that as we continually come back to it, Lord, you continually teach us. Lord, it's so deep that we can continually draw from the well of wisdom in the Word of God. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us today. Lord, what we may look at and think that it may be just a simple subject matter, but Lord, how much of an impact it can have in each and every one of our hearts and lives. Help us with this matter of learning to follow you. And Lord, may we learn something today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Learning to follow. How many here, when your children were young, or maybe they still are young, that uh, you teach them that game, follow the leader. How many were absolutely amazed at how long it took to actually teach them follow the leader? 
to actually just the, the simple commands of you do what I do, okay? My dad had another way as we would walk the, the house that we lived in up in Maine when I was younger. He actually built a new house. We lived up by the road. He owned the property behind us and built a 600-foot driveway down into the woods, and then uh, he built a house down there. I don't remember too much of it. I was real young. My brother did most of the work on the house with him um, for us to be able to move in there, but I remember those days because our garden was still 500 feet um, up there at the top of the hill. And so there were times that whether we're walking, not for gardening, okay, but we still had grandparents that lived up there. When we'd have a snow similar to what we just had, maybe not something 18 inches, that as a young person, how many ever tried to walk in the footsteps of an adult or your parent that you would try to walk alongside or try to follow in their footsteps? I had that a couple of times with my kids and then... I remember it with my father, and there were times that he would actually slow down a little bit because he would realize that his footsteps and his footprints are a little bit too far away from each other for me to be able to walk in them. And so he'd slow down and be able to put his footsteps a little bit closer together for us to be able to walk in. May I remind us along those lines, we we talk about the simple game of follow the leader. All you have to do is follow the person that's in front of you. We're, We're very simple in the games of Simon Says. You have to do what Simon says. and It seems so simple to be able to do that. And may I remind us as we come to the scriptures that there's a desire for the Lord that the Lord has for each and every one of us really to just simply follow Him. Doesn't that sound so simple? That all we have to do is follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it may have been a little bit easier back in Bible times because it was actually the physical... God in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was here upon this earth, when he would walk by, and to set the context of Scripture here, let me remind us in chapter number 4 that the Lord Jesus had just gone through his 40-day fast. He has just been tempted by the devil three different times as we read down through chapter number 4 here. He comes out of that and he begins his, his physical and visual earthly ministry that is recorded here. And he's now beginning the ministry of gathering together the 12 disciples who are going to be with him for the next three to three and a half years to be able to walk with him, to be able to talk with him, to be able to work with him for the next three and a half years. And that's what we picked up here in the reading is the first ones we have recorded here are Peter and Andrew. And he very simply walks by them and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. A little bit further as he's walking along, we have him walk by James and John, as the Bible says, the sons of Zebedee. And he simply looks at them in uh, verse number 21 as we read down through here and tells them and calls them and follows them and they leave their ships and they leave their father and they followed him. 
I thought how simple that seems, but yet how complex we actually make it in our lives. How many believe that saying we're following Jesus sometimes is a whole lot easier to say it than it is to actually put it into practice in our lives? And so I will, by, by God's direction over the next few weeks on these Sunday morning services, I'll actually be bringing what we would say some rather simple messages from the Scriptures and maybe not simple messages but very practical messages to be able to make application in our lives about this subject matter of simply following the Lord and following the Lord Jesus Christ, learning to follow. I want to share a few things as I look down through here in verse number 19, and these are very simple thoughts as we apply them to our hearts and our lives this morning, and I'm praying for that this morning. I want to, as Brother Eric always says, Eric Peters, he says when he preaches, he wants to put the cookies on the bottom shelf so that everybody can reach them. I want to look at this subject matter of following the Lord. And I want to see, first of all, learning to follow, that we need to see the person who is worth following. The person who is worth following. I want you to see as we look in verse number 19, as the Lord Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, as we get to verse 19, he saith unto Peter and Andrew, and look at this, and I circled this little uh, pronoun that's there when he said, follow me. The person who is worth following is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. The person that we are supposed to have our eyes turned upon, the person who is supposed to be our standard in life that we're supposed to fall in line behind is the Lord Jesus. It's not like the lady, and I'll I'll share this with you, that may have been of a certain hair color that during a snowstorm, maybe just recently, that uh, she was following a plow truck. And she followed that truck and followed that truck and followed that truck for about two to three hours. And finally, the truck pulled off to the side and the driver came out and talked to this lady that was in the car. And she said, he said, what are you doing, ma'am? Can I ask you? And she said, yes. She said, when I was younger and I was learning to drive, my dad always said if we got into a bad snowstorm, that if we're able to find a plow truck, to be able to tuck right in behind that plow truck and just follow that plow truck and we'll be able to stay safe. And he said, well, he said, I appreciate the confidence. And he said, if you want to stay following, he said, I'm about done with the Walmart parking lot. And he said, I'm getting ready to go over to Target. And he said, I'll be plowing that parking lot. Now, listen, we're not talking about blindly following someone who does not know where they're going. You ever tucked in behind someone while you're trying to follow them? And then you realize that they're about as lost as you are trying to get to a destination. I'm not asking you to give names or point anyone out, but may I say when the Lord Jesus Christ looks at us as his children and utters these words of follow me, there was absolutely no one better that Peter and Andrew or James and John at that moment could be willing to leave everything and to be able to go follow other than the Lord Jesus. Now, I want to remind us of a few things. Listen, Jesus at this point did not have three to three and a half years of a track record of miracles for them to be able to follow. 
In fact, I don't know if they were around there by the Jordan River in chapter number 3 when we have recorded about the baptism of Jesus. The only message about Jesus at this point was given by John the Baptist that said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. That's the only message that had been preached. But yet something had made an impact in Peter and Andrew and James and John in their lives that when Jesus walked by and said, follow me, that Andrew and Peter tucked right in behind him and said, if there's someone that I'm going to follow, I'm going to follow that one that just walked by me. Now, can I remind us that in life, there may be times we may not have every little detail that's going through in life. We may not have the destination. Hey, they never once asked the question, well, Jesus, where are you going then? Now, listen, if you want us to follow you and you want us to, to, to get in line, then, then lay out your plan for us. Tell us where we're going. Tell us what we're going to get. They started asking those questions as they went on down through the journey over the next few years. In fact, the times that Jesus did lay out and say, hey, this is where I'm heading. I'm heading to Jerusalem. They're going to crucify me and I'm going to die. Hey, they even tried to stop him from that. They tried to talk with confidence and say, hey, where you go, we will go. And, and listen, even Peter stepped up later on and said, listen, if you die, we're, we're going with you. And Jesus had to remind him, you're going to deny me three times. You know, I thought in our lives it's not always that we have every question that's been answered. It's not always that God's laid out the entire plan. And I know you've said this as much as I have, that uh, don't you wish at the moment of salvation that God just lays everything out for you for the next 50 years and you know exactly what everything is going to be. Sometimes I wish that and sometimes I'm glad He doesn't. Sometimes I'm glad that I don't know what's going to be coming over the next couple days or the next couple years that God doesn't lay that out because I'd be doing everything I could do to try to avoid it. Yet he simply walks by and may I remind us that there is no one in your life that is greater for you to follow than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these apostles, as we call them, these disciples at this point, may I remind us that they would find that out over the next few years. They were able to be there and to be an eyewitness. Peter reminded us of that over in the book of 1 Peter as he's writing. He said, listen, we were able to hear the voice up there on the mountainside. We were able to see the transfiguration. We were able to hear the, the voice thunder from heaven. This is my beloved son, hear ye him. They were able to hear all of those things. Some of the experiences that these four men that we just read about, listen, they were able to experience them simply because they followed the Lord Jesus when he walked by one day and said, follow me. And I wonder this, we have a whole lot more credibility that's been given to us than what Peter and Andrew and James and John had at that moment. 
We have the entire Word of God that's been given to us, that's been preserved for us. The Lord Jesus Christ has been revealed. Listen, we can read down through the entirety of human history and be able to see the the promises that God has fulfilled. We've been able to see the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ and His presence with His people all the way down through there. Listen, Jesus has more of a track record with us than what He had with Peter and Andrew at that moment. Peter and Andrew said, I don't know exactly who this guy is, but we're going to follow him. Can I say this today? I don't know what doubts may be in your mind. I don't know as you're sitting back and saying, is Jesus worth following? Is Jesus worth going after? May I remind you as we look down through that the person that is worth following is the Lord Jesus Christ. We read last week as we closed out communion, we read Psalm 118, the last of the Hallel Psalms there, the praise Psalms, which very possibly would have been the last song that the Lord Jesus Christ sang after the upper room there in the Last Supper would have gone through Psalm 118 and you get down Psalm 118 down around verses 8 and 9. This is what Jesus would have said as he sang that. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes is what those two verses say. And I thought, listen, there's not one old-time Christian that's seated here today that wouldn't tell you that the greatest days of your life are to be spent while following the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no greater person worth following. But then I circled a couple other things as God was speaking to my heart down through this passage of Scripture, and God reinforced it in my heart and life that, listen, I need to be following the Lord more than anybody else. You say, Pastor, you need to be reminded of that? I sure do. Because sometimes you may be like me, and you may just say, oh, which way the wind's blowing? And that's the direction I'm going to go. I had a talk this week with Brother Hebert. He picked me up. I dropped my car off and uh, getting some tires rotated. And we were talking on the way over here and dropped me off at the church. And I said, you know, I, I'm real careful. And here's one thing I've learned. I said, and I'm not just going to follow the emotion of human beings. How many have ever had a great idea? How many have ever had a great idea told to you by someone else? And then you sit back and say, man, I can't wait for you to fulfill that great idea. And it never comes to fruition. Or they come to you with a great idea for you to do and not them. That's a great idea, isn't it? Hey, here's a great idea for you to do. I told Brother Hebert, I said, you know, that's why I'm real careful about just jumping on things when people come all excited. Hey, pastor, can we do this? This is a great idea. Not to follow the emotions of people. Because I found out every time it's great for a little while and then it just doesn't follow through. But I thought if there's one main lesson that I've learned, boy, we better make sure we're following the Lord. You know the Lord will never steer you wrong. You know the Lord will never lead you into sin. You know the Lord will never lead you in the wrong direction. I made a statement this week in our Tuesday devotion dealing with Psalm 119 that it's impossible for the Christian who is in obedience to the Word of God and following the leadership of the Holy Spirit to be living in sin. It's impossible. You know why that is? Because first of all, if you're obeying the Word of God, 
it's not going to lead you to sin. If you're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, guess what? You're not going to be sinning. Oh yeah, I'm following God and I'm sinning on a regular basis. Don't blame that on God. Don't blame it on God. He's a person worth following. Can I say, I'm just, I'm just going to say this. I, I'm, a, I'm a young preacher. I still consider myself a young preacher. And I probably will for the next 30 years, okay? Because all the preachers I look up to are older than me. So I'm going to be a young one for the next 30 years. This past November marked 23 years since Crystal and I had been full-time in ministry. And I found out this, in that 23 years, there's been a lot of people that have come and gone. There's been a lot of people that have gone a different direction. There's been a lot of people that if I would have tucked in behind them, if they would have said, hey, follow me, I'd be going down the wrong road today. But I thought, we better get it settled in our heart and life. Listen, there's one person worth following, and that's the Lord Jesus. Then can I say this? I looked at a couple other things that I looked in the Scriptures. The Bible says here in verse number 20, look at this with me. It says, and they straightway, and I circled this word right here, left. They left their nets and followed him. But then I saw this in verse number 22 after Jesus called James and John. Bible says in verse number 22, and they immediately, here it is again, left the ship and their father and followed him. And I circled those little phrases in the Bible because I said, you know, when Jesus came by, first we see that there is a person that is worth following. But then I noticed when they left their nets and they left their ship, that you know there are some possessions that need to be sacrificed too. Now, can I, let, me, let me ask you this and answer it honestly. Is there anything wrong with fishing? How many here enjoy fishing? I enjoy fishing when I get to go out. Nothing better than getting a big fish on the other end or at least lying about it when you get back and tell everybody, right? How many are with me on that, okay? You know that's the truth. There's nothing wrong with fishing. There's nothing wrong, hey, there's nothing wrong with owning a boat. Nothing wrong with having nets and all the fishing gear to be able to go. Can I say, there's nothing wrong in and of themselves. But can I say at that moment when Jesus came along and said, follow me, you know what they had to leave behind? some possessions that would hinder them following the Lord. Some possessions that would be in the way, and we could also say maybe not just some possessions, but maybe some personal pleasures that they would be able to partake in. You say, now, Pastor, I don't know where you're going with this. I'll tell you right now where I'm going. There's some hindrances in some people's lives that are obstacles from them following the Lord. And we live in a day and age today that the pleasures of this world hinder more than they help in people following God. 
When the Lord comes along, hey, listen, and I don't recommend using these. We joked with the young adults this week that we need to put together an entire skit of misapplied verses throughout the Bible. And there's several things that have been put together like that. You ever, you ever gotten uh, Bible stories mixed up? And so one of the things that I mentioned to them, and I understand they're two different stories, but I, I, I made mention as we were driving up the road and we were misapplying some, okay, and, and trying to input this verse into this account and it doesn't fit there and, and it really doesn't come out right. And I, and I mentioned about Jezebel being cast down. Remember, she was cast down. Actually, the dogs came and ate. We won't get into that story. But I, I made mention of that and brought in another story. And I said, and they cast her down. And they cast her down again. And of the fragments that were remained were enough to fill 12 baskets. I said, I know those aren't the, the right stories to put together. But I thought so many times as we go throughout the Scriptures, if we would understand those hindrances of things of this world, I said, that are in our way from following Jesus. Now listen, I've already determined, and before you, before you start allowing your mind to be able to wander, there's nothing wrong in and of itself from going fishing and trying to catch a fish. But I will say this, if it starts hindering your walk with God and being able to follow the Lord, listen, there's a problem. There's nothing wrong with going on vacation somewhere, but if you always do it at the expense of your walk with God, then there's something wrong. Hey, listen, I just love football. I love baseball. I don't think you ought to miss church to be able to go to a football game. And we've got a generation we've raised up. Hey, listen, why do you think you think it's an accident that they start putting the soccer games and the basketball games and the baseball games for Little League and start putting them all over on Sundays? Well, pastor, there's nothing wrong with team sports and for them to be able to learn camaraderie. Hey, they ought to be sitting in churches where they ought to be sitting. There's nothing wrong with owning a boat and having some nets. But in Peter's life and in Andrew's life and in James and John's life, guess what? For them to follow the Lord, they had to leave some possessions behind. They had to leave some things. I won't get into things in my personal life, but can I say this? There's some things that, that I don't partake of today. I'm talking pleasures in life that I would absolutely love to be able to go do, but if I'm not careful, guess what? I can become so obsessed with those things. Boy, it would take away from my Bible time. It'd take away from my prayer time. It would take away from ministry time of being able to follow the Lord. What is it that we so easily can just say, well, I'll go do that instead of following the Lord. What about these verses? Here's where I was going with that. That uh, these disciples came to the Lord and the Lord started calling and they said, well, I, I just bought a, a plot of land and I need to go see it. Well, they said, well, go do it. You're not fit to follow. Well, so-and-so just died and Jesus looked at him and said, let the dead bury the dead. One guy said, well, I've just married a wife and I can't come. These were all the invites that were coming to the marriage feast. And the Lord said, listen, hey, when he says that we're supposed to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him, that's saying no to some things, saying yes to the cross of Christ because I'm willing to follow the Lord. 
Now listen, I had an absolutely wonderful childhood. I never played on a sports team. Someone once said, and you go study the statistics, and, and I may have this statistic wrong. It may have changed since then. They said of everybody that plays peewee sports or Little League, they said maybe about 0.2% have an actual possibility of being able to put, be put on a pro team at some point. 0.2%. But every one of our young people have a 100% chance of standing before God one day. You say, well, this is just going to be one of those messages anti-everything, isn't it? No, I'm not against having a good time. Hey, I'll take a day go hiking with the guys. But you know something? I'm not going to go do it on a Sunday because this is where I'm supposed to be is in church. Well, you're the pastor. You're supposed to be here. Hey, I've got a Christian responsibility the same way every other Christian does too. And I thought there's some things, listen, we look at it in our lives and why is it that Peter and James and John and Andrew left their nets and left their boat? Hey, left their father. Could the father have been a hindrance in James and John being able to go serve the Lord? And woe be to us as parents if we would be the hindrance and say, well, I'm okay with my kids doing this. I've had a few phone calls lately with Brother Eric and Miss Susan Peters. Missionaries we support, but we all also support their daughter and son-in-law and the two little grandbabies that just got on an airplane a week and a half ago and flew from Atlanta, Georgia down to Indonesia. And I've called Brother Eric a few times and said, Hey, just want to know how you're doing. The only child they have getting on an airplane and flying. But listen, there were times they had to say, listen, mom and dad, this is what God has for us. The night that Crystal and I stood in Tabernacle Baptist Church in Topsom, Maine, and I love my grandfather to death, honestly, faithful man of God for years. We came forward that, that Wednesday night and announced to the church, this is what God's called us to do. And we're taking off and we're going to join the Rock of Ages prison ministry and go reach souls for Christ. One of the few times I've ever seen my grandfather get out of his seat exactly where Brother Don sits. Came down, looked at my dad, said, can I say a few words? At the close of that service and got behind that pulpit and he said, listen, y'all don't need to be moving off anywhere to be able to serve the Lord. There's enough work to be done for God right here and you don't have to go anywhere. Now he had a walk with the Lord, but he missed it on that one. And I understand the the motive and the heart that was behind it. You know what we did a few months later? Packed up a truck. Hugged them goodbye. Said, this is what we've got to go do. It's what God said to do. Now, can I say this? He did pass away while we were out on the road. I was driving from Pennsylvania to Virginia and got a phone call that Greppa just died. I called the church that I was going to in Virginia and we turned left, started heading east, got up here for the funeral services. Can I say this? There's times that possessions need to be sacrificed if you're going to follow the Lord. There's relationships that need to be sacrificed if you're going to follow the Lord. 
You say, well, this person's not going the same direction that I'm going of what the will of God is for my life. Then listen, let me ask you something. Which one's going to last for eternity? Your relationship of following the Lord or human relationships right here on this earth? I'm not saying we're mean and negative, but listen, there's been some that have tried to come alongside and I've said, listen, this is the direction God has us going. If you're not walking with us and we're heading a different direction. Hey, there's some possessions you need to set off to the side. There's some people, some relationships, not in a mean and a nasty way, but listen, I'm following the Lord. And by God's grace, I'm going to stay faithful to my Savior because he's a person worth following. And can I encourage you, listen, young person, young adult, young families, there's going to be things in lives today that the world is going to be saying, hey, why don't you go after this? After all, it's the American dream. Why don't you go after it? Peter and James and John and Andrew, why'd you just leave your nets laying there? We're following Jesus. But don't you know you can have such a successful fishing business? That's not what my life's about now. My life's following Jesus. My life's heading this direction. Well, where are you going? I don't know. What's the end result? I don't know. But he called me, and I'm following. And I thought, boy, if we'd get it settled in our hearts and lives that we're just going to follow the Lord. What seems like a simple thing, listen, listen, it has cost to it. And I believe we, as we live here in America today, that we've, we've forgotten about the cost of being able to take up our cross and to be able to follow the Lord because we live in ease today. Hey, we were rejoicing this week. We had a whole conversation up there about how much we, as young adults, I was with the group, so I get to be part of the discussion on how much we enjoy having these nice, comfortable chairs instead of hard pews. <laughs> Suffering for Jesus, coming to church, isn't it? Hey, we'll even complain because it probably gets to be about 75 degrees in here this morning. Man, it's so hot. I walked in my house and went into my bedroom last night and my stove had gone out, didn't catch up quick enough, and I walked in my bedroom and it was 53 degrees. Guess what? I was complaining at 53 the same way I'll complain at 73 because we just have life so easy, don't we? We're not understanding what it's like to take up our cross and follow Him. And can I say all of this? If Jesus isn't enough just to be able to follow Jesus... The sacrifice of possessions, I, I looked at this phrase right here. Can I say there is a purpose that God gave to them in verse number 19. And he said unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You think they understood that term? They were fishing for fish. They understood what it was to, to go out there in their boat, to take their nets, throw it out there, and pull in some fish to be able to clean them, take them back to the market, be able to sell them. They understood all of that. But now a new concept's been presented to them. Now you're not going to be fishing for fish. You're not going to be throwing that net out there in the water. But he said, you follow me, and listen, I'm going to change your whole purpose in life, and you're going to become a fisher of men. Now, they understood the concept of fishing, and I wonder if, I wonder in a way if they left their net because all they could imagine is going and throwing their net over men to be able to catch them. Fishing for men? What's that mean? 
there's going to be a man out there in the water and I'm going to have to throw my net? You say, oh, they probably didn't think that. You go ahead and talk to some new converts sometime when you start talking about things in the Bible and they're like, what's that mean? Go ask Nicodemus in John chapter 3 when Jesus said you must be born again. What? How can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born when he is old? You start wondering what they're thinking at this time. But Jesus said, I'm going to give you a purpose. Listen, it's not just going to be for some stinky fish that you just take to a market and be able to sell. But now I'm going to put something in your heart and I'm going to give you a purpose in life that, listen, is going to make a difference for eternity. I'm going to make a difference. Listen, you're not going after just a fish. You're going after a soul. And I thought, listen, you start following the Lord. We got young people, young adults, teenagers trying to live their life and trying to find fulfillment in just the things of this world and find fulfillment in relationships when if they would just get their eyes upon Jesus and start following what Jesus has for them, boy, they'll have more fulfillment and more purpose than they could ever imagine because the Lord put something in their hearts. And can I say it's a purpose that satisfies. Can you imagine how it was? Jesus was already looking forward. I believe Jesus knew. Here he comes by Peter and says, follow me, I'll make you to become fishers of men. Maybe knowing in about three and a half years, he's going to stand up and be able to preach a message over there in the book of Acts, chapter number two. And the Bible says 3,000 be saved. Boy, can you imagine how it was that day? I wonder how many times that Peter went back after preaching a message and thought about the day that he was sitting there beside mending his nets and taking care of it. And the man named Jesus walked by and said, follow me. And wondering how that would ever satisfy. You know, there's several, they'll, they'll sit in church. You'll sit here this morning and say, yeah, this is okay for a Sunday morning. It's okay, I'm doing my religious duty, but I just don't see what it's going to do for me if I'm just all in. You ever, you ever come across some of them all-in Christians? When I say all-in, I'm talking their life revolves around following the Lord. If you ask them, there's never a question in their mind, hey, what are you doing on Sunday? Well, I'm thinking about going to church. No, there's never a question in their mind and no one ever asks them to go do something else because they know that's what's in their life. They're just following Jesus. You say, well, pastor, I, I don't think you ought to be putting all these things. And Hey, can I say this? Every time Jesus had the opportunity, he was with the disciples. He was in the synagogue. He was preaching. He was teaching. He was where the crowd was. I thought, you know, we ought to be able to learn something. I'm not saying that Jesus is waiting for us here, that we walk in and all of a sudden it's miraculous that, hey, we're in the presence of Jesus. No, we ought to be bringing him with us when we come. And when we get together, listen, this is just a family of God that's gathering together, but it's not just on Sundays and Thursdays. And yes, I believe we ought to assemble. I believe that. You're never going to prove anything different from the Word of God to me. I believe the church ought to assemble. Can I say this? It's more about following Jesus the other five or six days of the week too. Well, I'm just going to separate my religious life from the rest of my life. Well, if you truly get a relationship with Christ, guess what? You're not going to be able to separate it. It's going to make a difference in every area of your life. Hey, listen, it'll make a difference in a book that you read. That's what one new Christian told me. 
hey, I was reading that book, and boy, there were some things that weren't right in there. And I said, the Holy Spirit of God doesn't want to be looking at that and doesn't want me reading that. They quit. She, she quit reading those novels. You know why? Because Jesus made a difference in the rest of her life too. It's not just about getting saved and all of a sudden you're a churchgoer on Sundays. It's about having a relationship with the Lord and saying, Lord, where you lead me, I'm going to follow. I'm just saying I'm willing to follow Jesus. I wonder what it is in our hearts and lives. Listen, as we go through life that Jesus is saying, would you at least follow? He's worth it. He's a person worth following. But then I wonder what it is. And listen, every one of us can identify things in our lives, possessions. We see this over and over throughout the scripture. You know, in John chapter four, when the woman at the well got saved, there's a specific statement in there before she went downtown, the Bible says, and she left her water pot. Went down in the city and started inviting. I thought, you know, I believe the Lord's just showing us some things that when you start following the Lord, there's going to be, have to be some things that are left behind. But too many times we're trying to hold on to Jesus with one arm and we're trying to hold on to everything else with the other hand and it's just pulling us apart. Can I say this? One's making a difference for eternity. One's going to be so satisfying. One's going to be, and you say, you say, yeah, I've seen some of those people. They don't have any desire whatsoever for the American dream. They don't want all these possessions. They don't want all this nice big house. They don't want these new fancy cars. No. Why do you have all that when you got heaven waiting for you? I'm not saying don't live in a nice place. Turn your heat on. Get it up above 53 degrees. I mean, praise the Lord. Go ahead and do that. It's okay. Pay for the oil. Pay for the pellets. Get it done. Warm it up. I'm talking about those possessions have possession of us. Instead of Jesus owning our lives and we're just following him and saying, Lord, I need to learn to follow you. Because can I say this a hundred years from now? What we do for Christ is the only thing that's going to be satisfying us. What we do for Christ. Learning to follow. Now, I wonder this. There may be some that's seated here today and you never even started to follow. He's not your savior. He's not your friend. He's not your comforter. You've never accepted Christ as your personal savior. He's not your father. Maybe you need to start with salvation. But there may be others. Listen, you're just trying to live your life for the here and now and what makes you happy today. I want to be about what Jesus has for my life and what's going to please him for eternity. Let's quit being selfish in our Christian life. And why don't we learn to follow the Lord and say, what's the Lord have for us? What's he have for you this year? What's he have for you this week? What do you think he has for you in the scripture? Well, why don't we spend time reading it? Why don't we follow him? See where Jesus is.